Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Everybody to Supernatural: The Crossroads. I am your host Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Ryan Den. Hello, and Michael Flores. Holler, and we are talking about the season thirteen finale. Let the good times roll. Man, it has been quite the season. Uh, it's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs. It's been interesting. This episode has been helmed by Dab himself, showrunner and longtime producer turned director robert singer and it's been one hell of a finale i think it's safe to say this could be one of the better ones since carver's i to me iconic fall of the angels that is still an image forever burned in my memory it's the as first a thing i saw first thing i saw supernatural I, oh that's right i forgot about that I, first thing i saw when i was in the panel at, at san diego comic-con that, that was the the first thing and i was like holy shit and yeah. then i blaze through fucking a bajillion episodes <laughs> yeah this this finale had a lot of different things going for it it had lucifer be the true villain he is once again dab managed to give him his fangs something that a lot of fans had been curious about or feeling that had been missing for some time something that we had talked about at some length as well that one of two paths was ultimately going to happen to him that they either a had to continue and push through with this redemption arc that they, they were giving him or he would ultimately fail in that and have to become the villain that we know once more yeah. and i think they did an it, it okay it absolutely breaks my fucking heart no as a lucifer fan but i think they did a very good job with that the fact that he is willing to go to such lengths to to get what he wants out of life, which is ultimately, it seems, power and worship. For so long, it had been built up that he might be wanting something different and that he was trying to go down a different path. And yet, ultimately, we see him willing to kill his own son for that that's, power. That's savage, dude. And that's dark. I don't know. There's many things that you could do that would ultimately lead the entire audience to go. Yeah, that guy's the villain after so many little nuanced, not exactly changes, but attempts at change and seeing so many things in well, this episode, especially. I think what what was the biggest thing was, you know, like trying to get his way and failing. Well, and, and we'll get into yeah. that much, much later and much in depth because 
that was absolutely my favorite part of the whole yeah. episode. They needed to handle it that way because they have spent such a long time stutter stepping with Lucifer yeah. and not really giving us any clues as to what direction he was going in, where his where he was really at in terms of his within his own mind. Uh, the one single man tear that dropped a couple episodes ago kind of threw us off. But you find out that tear is probably just for himself. The guy is just incapable of loving anyone other than himself and it's it's so perfectly to me it's such a perfect end for his character where there was no other options really for him to to go and it fits in perfectly with how you're supposed to write a character with these pressures pushing against them to lead them to make choices i I thought it was that part was fantastic and also when it comes to the fan base uh you included you're a huge fan of lucifer and Rather than allowing him to slip into that category of that that gray area like Crowley. That we got really uh, close to. Rowena, except for maybe this season. We've seen a lot of our characters kind of go into that gray area where they're good guys, they're bad guys, they're Team Winchester. And Lucifer was slipping into that category. Mm -hmm. He was kind of in that gray area. And really the only way to course correct him instantly is to have him do something as despicable as turn on his own son. Because that... That flipped it for everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah there's no one going to side with that. Eh, it's all right. Like, no. Especially, <laughs> because, well, especially because of the connection that we all had with Jack yeah. and how he's so naive and innocent. And to see a father just completely manipulate yeah. that. I mean, that's, I, that's, that's the that's worst evilness. part. But, but here's evilness. the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Like, if, I'm glad if, they did it, though. If Jack turned out to be like Claire, I would have been like, you know what? I'm kind of oh, on Lucifer's side. Oh, I'm like, yeah, just kill her. You know, like she's terrible. <laughs> that's that's a, kind of a sensitive topic right now. Uh, oh, is it? Well, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter because it didn't get picked up. Now, outside of Lucifer, <laughs> and again, he's just he's just fucking troll. I'm just moving <laughs> right past Ryan. She's does, dancing. She doesn't care. You think she cares? No, she's, she's on, doing movies. She's now, on dude. a movie. She give a fuck. She's on an HBO series. You think she gives two shits? But Ryan Denton, Michael <laughs> Flores, and Thomas Cowley no, have to say no. None of them do. Or VW in the chat room. Like yeah. she just doesn't give a Who shit. Who the fuck are those people? Middle fingers I'm up. Millions. Yeah. Yeah. They can go fuck themselves. I have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car. What do you have? A fucking microphone. Good job. <laughs> yeah, but my microphone reaches farther than your car does. Oh my god, bitch! Oh, oh, there goes any interview. And <laughs> eh, whatever. Now, outside of <laughs> Lucifer, which we're going to get into in depth, there was a lot of different questions we have been left with at the end of the finale. Which is traditional with Supernatural, especially. Yeah. It's traditional with most shows, but Supernatural does a very I guess I'd say painful job where you're you're left in agony wanting to know what's going to happen. Where are we going to take things in the following season? Dean being the big center point, being where is he going to go now that he has finally said yes to Michael after almost a decade? Where is his character going to go? Does that lead into the cosmic consequences with the fact that death, Billy said, see you soon? Does that mean because he's surrounded by death? Does Mm -hmm. that mean he's going to be more involved? Could it mean something darker for our character? We have no idea of knowing. I can't imagine that it's going to end well necessarily though. For, For both Dean and Michael, but the universe as a whole, I took a tally when I was doing our, our, my notes for the year end review. We've had like six minimum of six riffs ripped through dimensions I, if you take six Jenga blocks out, that I mean, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but it depends on where you take them. This is all going to one place. I could That's a see, very good analogy, Thomas. 
I could see cosmic consequences starting to bleed through with season 14. I mean, it's a big fucking number. This is where Thomas's intelligence really becomes an asset for our show. <laughs> yeah, like that was I mean, Jenga comparison. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. Like, like, you know, for a simple guy like me, you know, and we all know that I'm pretty simple. But for Thomas to make an analogy like that, that I was like, oh, that actually makes total sense. Wow, that's that's yeah, that, that one didn't go over my head. Yeah. As Captain America would say, I got that reference. <laughs> I'm happy to be useful, Ryan. Every now and then you're useful. Every now and then. Um, we also have the question of not just the other characters that have been still around in this in this show, such as Rowena and Ketch and Charlie and Mary, now that she's been through so much. But we have the question of Bobby and the other apocalypse, apocalypse world sur- survivors, refugees, apocalyptic refugees. I, I can't wait to talk about that because I want, just want to point something out that I, I might have called uh, a couple episodes back. And uh, I, I, you know what? That's a whole nother dynamic that I think this next season that in season 14, when we, when we touch on this, like it, 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 it's funny to me that I would bring this up and like make this call. Mm -hmm. And then we literally see it the next episode. So I think, you know, the dynamic of these characters and seeing for me, like in one episode, how kind of chummy they were, like Mm -hmm. it was kind of like the old characters. It was weird for me. I think changing from, you know, we saw Bobby a completely different type of Bobby in Apocalypse World. In the very at the end of season twelve, he was very different. Yeah, and then like in this, in this, we get Apocalypse, you get Apocalypse Bobby, and we're like, oh, he's he's different. And then he comes over into our world, and like this episode, he started to kind of be blend. Into yeah, a and I was bit. like, hmm. And that's something that we'll need to talk about. Yeah. But the finale of this season does, in a lot of ways, kind of match how Dab did it with season. 12 mm-hmm. where there's two main elements going on that he wraps up i think this one was more straightforward season 12 definitely had the mary and the men of letters element wrapped up in one episode and then catch or a catch jack and the nephilim storyline with lucifer being the final episode this one kind of seemed to solve the personal crisis of getting mary back in the previous episode exodus and that major goal Whereas Apocalypse Michael and Lucifer and the fallout with Jack, that had to be tackled in this episode. So he does seem to have a similar style to how he's doing things. Not exactly two-parters, but where half the major issues are taken care of Mm -hmm. in the first or second to last episode. And then the other more climactic stuff is the very finale. Mm -hmm. So now with speaking of Dab and how he does this show, there's a lot of elements towards classic literature when it, in regards to Lucifer and Jack in this episode, specifically Shakespeare and how he has crafted this narrative going along. It's not exactly something new for Supernatural. Kripke's, if you look back at Kripke's run in seasons one through five, there are all kinds of elements from Shakespeare, from biblical lore, from the idea of the father and the son and the, the relationship they have, be it positive or negative or how it may change over time. And we see that used by other showrunners throughout the seasons. This one has more of that, too, deliberately being the antagonist of the show, though, Lucifer. And again, we've talked about this at length. That is something very nice to see that he has put the effort into building this narrative that doesn't feel shoehorned, despite some of our gripes about, well, you know, he feels a little bit less threatening. He did manage to bring it around at this point, having the brother versus brother element having the father versus son element. I mean, I'm thinking deliberately Romeo and Juliet with the warring families and, and, and uh, Othello with Iago 
versus Othello and the friendship and the betrayal that we have in that element. It it's very well done. Wanting to or seeing this neglectful father figure and how different they are from their sons and what ultimately drives a wedge between them was very very nicely handled, I think, in this episode. Now, before we get into all that, of course, we do have some news. Wayward Sisters spinoff has still been left dead in the water. That is unfortunate for a lot of us and a lot of the fandom out there, despite the fervent push by many of the vocal movement through social media. And unfortunately, we've had, even with the actors such as Jensen and Jared petitioning and sending out the tweet through social media, it hasn't ultimately led to enough numbers for this the CW to change its mind. And finally, we had an article in which, excuse me, uh, Petowitz said exactly what, why it wasn't picked up. And this is an article from Deadline.com saying, We had really great material this year. We're really excited about the five series we did pick up. We are big fans of the characters and the women who played the characters in the series, but we did not feel creatively the show was where we wanted it to be. We felt we had a better shot with Legacies. Legacies, for those who are not familiar, is the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, a spinoff to the originals? Yes. Right. Thank so you. So let me, let me, as the, the con quote master mm-hmm. I am, let me decipher that for you. What that was was <clears throat> we thought Legacies, being a younger demographic, is going to make us more money, whereas this show... <laughs> Wasn't exactly that good, so we decided not to pick it up. No hard feelings. We still love Supernatural. Fuck off. Yeah, he essentially said... That's a con quote, man. He essentially said he didn't like the show. Yeah. Like, read between the lines. He didn't like the show, and let's say he did like it. It didn't equate to... The demographic they want. Yeah, I mean, why do you think Barons and Dab were adamant about, hey, guys... Watch live, watch live, yeah. because live numbers is what That's counts. What still matters. What they want whether man. or not social media is taken to an account, or whether or not Netflix boosts the it show really years later. Though. It, it, that's the thing is, currently television still doesn't view that as any relevant metric. Yeah, there was a lot more at play than Absolutely. we even know. I mean, firstly, again, go back to last week's discussion. We broke it down for you. Uh, we are not there. I mean, we're not the CW, so we don't. We're, right. we're, so kinda, we're not 100% accurate. No, but we understand how the business works, and we're just not the demo for CW. No. Nope. Period. The bulk of the supernatural fan base is an aging fan base. We are not the target demo of the CW. Period. I mean, no, no major networks, NBC, CBS, Fox, the CW is going to put money on an aging demo. It, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Longmire was on A&E two years ago, three years ago, mm-hmm. yep. and it had okay ratings, but it wasn't the ratings they wanted because not the demo. people who were drawn to Longmire was an aging demo. It was not the, the, the super trendy, hip, money-making demo that is 16 to 35. That's the demo they want. Now... That's the demo every entertainment industry wants. Yeah. Just period. Yeah, it now, is. Because they're the buying demo for exactly. the most part. Even though the older demo has the... The difference is the older the demo bigger has, bank account, but has they're the not, money, but they're not the ones who spend the money. Right. Yes. And, and that's if you work in advertising in any way or if you work in any level of entertainment, that's the unfortunate reality. They don't care enough about any of the other demographics. And whether or not they're fans of the shows doesn't necessarily translate to they're going to pick up something that doesn't have the numbers they want. And on top of that, the fact of the matter is you don't want to split 
your viewership. And if Legacies mm-hmm. fits a supernatural-themed younger demographic, they're going to go with that. There are shows. I mean, let me make myself clear. There are shows that do cater to that aging demo. But usually they are simply considered counter-programming. Mm-hmm. And in broadcast programming, if people don't know what that means, counter-programming pra- counter is basically the practice of offering television programs to attract an audience from another television sta- station, either A, airing a major event, or is also referred when programmers offer something different from the rival's program as an alternative to increase the audience size. Now, let's take it back to the CW. Their entire network is considered counter-programming. Mm-hmm. Their actual business yeah, model, their actual business model is the very concept of counter-programming. <laughs> they are picking off the people that don't watch CBS, ABC, and Fox. Yep. So when you put a show that has an aging demo on a network that's already catering to counter-programming, you're in a world of hurt. Yep. And I know people will argue that they had impressions during this mm-hmm. Save the Wayward Sisters campaign, but that's not how the television business works. They don't look at your hashtags, guys. Well, no, impressions are that. impressions are not how you get a show picked up. But Thank you. That's the problem with Twitter. There is no way to currently monetize impressions from Twitter, and that's what it comes down to. This, monetization. If you can't do it, you can't monetize something, it doesn't mean anything. Now, once a TV network can figure out how to monetize hashtags and use change. right and use the Nielsen social media rankings as anything other than bragging rights, then okay. But until mm-hmm. they can turn it into something other than just bragging rights, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It just doesn't do anything. Now, shows can be picked up or greenlit, absolutely, but it depends on several factors. And the only people who know those factors are the, guys are the network the heads yep. and what they're currently in the mood for. It's, yeah. They're finicky. Yeah. It's just, it's just how it is. It's, you it, can't it, always get what you want. Yeah, okay. Like that's now, should, it's, like it's, I hate to say that, but it, it does happen. Like if, if, yeah. if these heads aren't feeling the show, then it's just not going to get well, picked up. You see that in movies when if you ever seen it where two movies of very similar style come out at the same time, example, uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon, White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. You see that because movie studios buy an idea that's trendy at the time. And then as they go on, they'll try and push it out as fast as possible. That's why you get a lot of these competing things. Legacies and Wayward Sisters was essentially that. However, it's on the same network and they're not going to split their fan base. And whether or not – if you, it's a sad fact, but working with advertising at some point in my life, impressions – don't matter. They're the how many times somebody scrolled past it. Even that counts. It's the number that they tell salespeople to shell out to the advertiser to try and get more money. We had so many impressions. That's not what you need. You need click through rate and you need other metrics. And you're right, Mike. Until Nielsen ratings change with the times and take social media into account, take you know DVR and watching it the next day and website traffic to add into their rating systems it's sadly just not where it's at they already have nielsen ratings for social media but it doesn't utilize it it doesn't really really matter because you can't monetize it so it's just for bragging rights that's really all you can do with it right well that's great but can we sell it no well (laughs) then there's people that say okay well merchandising this doesn't help the cw though no like you think all those conventions that they do that that they're selling that's not helping the cw out Warner Brothers. It helps Warner Brothers out and the cast and crew. Yeah. So if anything, petition Warner Brothers to put this on one of their upcoming streaming platforms. 
I mean, if that's if that's the direction you want to go, you want to keep pushing this wayward movement. That's where you have your bigger bet is by focusing on Warner Brothers themselves mm-hmm. and their upcoming streaming platforms. They have a few things they're working on currently. Well, I was going to say that's kind of where a lot of other shows have found a second life is through different platforms. Whether Perhaps that's, it's time to move on from the CW. Maybe it is. Maybe that means Netflix. Maybe that means Hulu or whatever. As whatever. you said, Warner Brothers has up their sleeve. There are so many different opportunities to get to consume entertainment now. I mean, we even see it with CBS Access. Other major networks are doing the same kind YouTube of thing. Red, the dude, CW, YouTube fucking red. There you go. If the CW doesn't want to take, Use them, it. take this aging demo, because they this because honestly, Supernatural is probably on their network at this point because it's a novelty. It's how many years can we get it to run? Yeah, it's sad, but it's true. That's what Pedowitz is at right now. I guarantee you, that's where his mindset is at. And maybe it's time to move this move away from the CW to a network or a streaming service that can appreciate the fandom and our target demo. And I think if we do something like that, then I think you're going to see a lot more opportunities open up for spinoffs. Because yeah. right now we're competing with with other shows that are considered counter programming. Well, especially with I the, mean, what's this? Who brought that up about the originals being counter programming already? Did. I mean, that's a great point. You yeah. have that. You have the rebooted Charmed. Oh Christ! Yeah, and you have the original spinoff. Both have young demos, mm-hmm. and. Um, you want to put a wayward feel supernatural spinoff to what to compete with that? It's just that's not a you're smart just going to cannibalize practice. your own audience. Yeah, unfortunately. So, and, and and maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe that means it's time to look at different platforms yeah. for spinoffs or for the future. Grab of the your show. ball and go home. Yeah, tell, fine. That's what I would do. I'm going to go home. I then. think it should be on YouPorn. Oh Let's my lord, <laughs> that's another streaming. I mean, like what? what? Why not? Yeah, I'm cool. With I know it. they want to get into original programming. Now, will we? <laughs> Jesus, God. We'll take that idea a little bit further in our <laughs> Patreon. Ten minutes at the crossroads element probably is going to be live after the show. Hmm. We'll decide that in a bit. But that's where we're going to delve further into this idea. Now, outside of Ten Minutes at the Crossroads, we also, guys, have new shirts available <clears throat> on RainmanDigitalMedia.com, which I am absolutely going to buy as soon as it's available. <laughs> it is the Lore Horror shirt. Oh, come on. You knew that was happening. Lore Horror shirts I just love now available. Pink. I am so... Is that is pink? Yeah, I like that's pink. Oh, I don't a, even give a shit. It'll be available tomorrow. It'll be available tomorrow, guys. Head yeah. on over to Rain, RainmanDigitalMedia.com and click on the RMD swag button in the top right-hand corner of the site. That'll take you to the place where you guys can buy it. It's available in all kinds of different sizes and I believe some of the color schemes as well. And you have all the other shirts available, including Cryptonomics, soon to be the Haleda shirts, I think, are available again. Ugh. Our standard issue shirt. And if you're a fan of any of the other programming, we've got shirts for Rain Man and all the others. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into our discussion of the season finale in just a moment. The Crossroads video cast is here. Retrospective reviews, discussions, theories, and geek out all available when you pledge $10 or more a month to our Patreon account. Same show, just more of it. Head over to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to play. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. I was surprised that they even existed. I didn't even know. I thought they went belly up years ago. I didn't know right. Boy Scouts was still a thing. 
Because well, how many people know how to do any of that stuff anymore? Tie knots, help old ladies across the street. Every member of the kink community. Okay. But listen, the kink this community, we're not Boy Scouts. I guarantee it. Well, <laughs> useless skills that you will never use in your life, except those lonely nights when you realize you're 40, you're a Boy Scout, <laughs> and you're a virgin. On your 48th camping Then trip. you're going to be tying those sailor knots on those lonely nights. On that noose. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD, plus free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30 because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. Even that part when he's going to look for it and you're in the middle of the stream and he takes a shovel and he's moving two top rocks with it and he's then he's kicking rocks and there it is. Yeah, you're telling me you buried this box years ago, Where right? It could flood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? That's what I was talking about when it comes to the the logic. Right. There's there's like even things that were just illogical thrown in this movie. I'm like, come on, I understand B because B there B movies, there's been some atrocious B movies, but the B movies is some of the cliches, some of the stereotypes, some of the over the top action of violence, some of the bad acting, the sleaziness. But there's illogical decisions being made from a directing and writing standpoint. It has nothing to do with the actual movie per se. It's like, come on, you're telling me you couldn't have had a couple PAs say, hey, guys, you know what? Today you're going to dig a, a deep hole about six feet deep. Please start digging, and then we're going to bury this box in there. How right. hard would that have been? <laughs> Listen up, cowboys and cowgirls. You can now listen to Weird West Radio every Sunday, only on Rain Man Digital. Have you missed an episode of DC on CW? If you have, this is what you've missed. Yeah. Sure, son. And story over. Yeah, okay. exactly. And scene. <laughs> Fuck, we're going to need like 35 more minutes of cape shit. <laughs> Oh, boy. Wow. Would that no. have been a doozy of an episode? Tell you what. Why didn't they just do that? Training montage cape. Throw my cape now. Try to get some bad guys down on the ground and throw them up into the air and knock someone out. Really good on the improv. I am beyond impressed right now. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, that would have been. <laughs> I don't even know what to do now. 
I feel like we're done. Bye. 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 Bye, guys. Have a good night. Mike, I got the next promo. (laughs) Don't miss DC on CW every week on Rain Man Digital, covering topics from Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. Are we going to see that this is the group Chuck was talking about? Is there some grand cosmos? Are the chosen ones not just exclusive to World One? What if Dad keeps being the showrunner and he just puts this on the back burner and these people just get super comfortable living in our world and they never go back? Oh, I would. I'd be like, <laughs> dude, there's fucking, that place. there's fucking TV here, man. Why would I leave? Beers and prostitutes. I'm staying here. Hookers and blow. Fuck that other world. Michael can have that shithole. Yeah. I'd let him. Well, fuck. Why would you want to go back? There's colors here. There's no women left? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to live in a world where there's no women. I want to live in a world with lots of women. Yeah. And that is an interesting concept, though, Mike, about lots them. Lots of women? A, wa- a world a lot with lots of women? women? It is yeah. interesting. Everyone prepped yeah. for the orgy. Sounds as fucking Cassie amazing. Said. Yeah. Rowena's going to service everybody. <laughs> she can service me first. <laughs> I'll go second. <laughs> now, <God>. with <laughs> Dean starts coming at him kind of hard. Like, you guys are idiots. Everything's fucked over here. Why would you stay? We've got hookers and blow. You know, it yep. starts and it starts making them antagonistic. We got be- tacos. <laughs> Busty Asian beauties. Yeah, we come to the good side. Porn and tacos. But they start. Porn and tacos. Porn and tacos. That's, that, a, that's, that's a pretty good, good that's argument. Actually, dude, that's, I would fucking leave that shithole. <laughs> porn and tacos? Free porn? Tacos? Holy fuck. Now, I fucking Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural, The Crossroads. Now we're going to get into the discussion of Season 13, Episode 23, Let the Good Times Roll. Uh, Looking at you, Ryan. Hi. This one was directed by Robert Singer, <laughs> written by Bitch Dab. Oh. And, uh, sorry, was that a little too on <laughs> the nose? so early. A little on the nose. It's aggressive for no it's reason. Violent. It's aggressive. Okay. Uh, I w- never mind. <laughs> I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. Uh, the synopsis. After escaping a pop... A pop- Apocalypse World, the Winchesters, Jack and Castiel, are confronted by Lucifer and Michael, forcing Dean to make a dire decision. Now, in this episode, we said earlier that the main highlight was Lucifer and his ultimate end of his story arc. And this is one of the things that Dab did a very good job about. You staying true to those Shakespearean patriarchal overtones that we have seen throughout Supernatural way back with Kripke. And and having it follow through all the way to this point is very nice. You know, when you look at some of the classics, Shakespeare himself crafted this perfect template for the emotionally abusive father figure that that took everything away from you in some respects, had nothing had nothing but disdain for you. We see some of that in his works. And Kripke capitalized on a lot of his knowledge, not just of Shakespeare. We see it and that's the thing. I think that's why we truly do do so much Kripke blowing is is because we see him take so much of what he knows and is passionate about with film, with horror, with movie making techniques, with storytelling, with literature and fiction. And now with Shakespearean elements all brought in, given its A game, he he loved this stuff. He put so much work into it, whether or not there was a plan for five years ahead of time. You see so much of it all the way back in Bugs. And if you're a member of the Patreon page, you've seen us discuss that episode at length about how we see Sam and Dean and the differences in opinions on fathers. And 
the the prodigal son and all that stuff, that biblical stuff come into light in the eighth episode of a show that had at that time had no future. Mm -hmm. And to see that it has been a consistent element in the show for over a dozen years is very rewarding, especially when it comes to light and, and ultimately culminates with one of, if not the most interesting characters in the show. Yeah, I can't be, I couldn't be more happier with how Dab put together this finale because he did use a lot of the Kripke themes. He brought it back down to the basics at the very last moment and it worked. Shakespeare, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think that Shakespeare hated his father because he had all kinds of family issues. Much of Shakespeare's stories are always about the anti glory of the patriarch. It's, it's King Lear. Yes, it's designed in such a way that it paints your father or the patriarch in such a negative way. And that for outside of John Winchester, even though we've talked, we've spoken about this, even John Winchester, even though he wasn't abusive, he was neglectful. So Mm -hmm. even John Winchester falls into this archetype that Kripke created or used or borrowed from Shakespeare and to see dab pull back on that it just brings a consistency and a cohesiveness back to the show I just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out of this conversation because I don't know much Shakespeare so I don't <laughs> well, sound like a for moron. example for example <laughs> the most popular one we can think of is perhaps Hamlet in which oh, okay. the I've father figure is oh, yeah, killed okay. their true father is killed by the murderous if it was uncle. a movie Ryan seen it yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, like the Romeo Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I saw that one. Oh, God. I hate you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know Romeo Juliet. Now, you say Romeo Juliet? Romeo, yeah. Romeo, <laughs> don't play that, Juliet. You dumb boof. I'm Romeo. Romeo. Good Lord. I'm Romeo. I'd rather hook up with Benvolio. <laughs> you didn't think of a name, could you? I don't know. He just wanted something that rhymed. Yeah. Now, with Hamlet, you have the father figure being the one who killed his true father and then married his mother and and he has all this hate and disdain for him throughout it and yet in the same story of hamlet the the daughter figure is is a whole separate element and he's got this betrayal element throughout the whole thing it does a very good job of making you hate these figures king lear is about the entire downfall of a father figure by his own children i mean we see that throughout Supernatural. And with Jack and, and Lucifer, while it is painful as a Lucifer fan to have to say goodbye to the character after 13 years, I, I as you said, Mike, I couldn't be happier with how they did it because it felt so succinct. It closed properly. It felt like that was how it needed to go. With Lucifer and Jack, their relationship was always going to be tumultuous. And in just two episodes... They went from complete strangers who had and Jack had no faith in Lucifer as a person to wanting to hear what he had to say. Very much the way the snake has always gotten others to do his bidding. And he told these sort of truths or left out other elements and was starting to worm his way into Jack's thoughts. We see that throughout the entire episode of Exodus. Here, it's even more painful because it he gets so close to what he truly wants. Lucifer does. And for a half minute, you feel that you want them to have a happy ending. At least I personally did. I felt like it was written well enough to, as something you had pointed out earlier, Ryan, in last week's show, 
Jamie Lannister. You, you have this character that you hate in the mm-hmm. beginning yep. that you then, through the writing, f- grow to like in some way. And in that one scene where he's talking about, he gives, he says, you know, I can see why Sam did what he did. I'll let him, I'll let that go. These little bit of attempting to redeem himself. I don't think it was anything about that. I, I but here's the I thing. I did. But I, I, Lucifer was 100% about himself. And At once end, he yes. realized, he, no, dude, what I think he felt like it was cool to have someone on my team. And that was it. Once he real, dude, you don't love someone and then at the drop of a hat, yes. you just own them that way. I, I agree. He never once cared for Jack. It was all no. about, it was 100% about him. Yes, I agree. And that, that was one of the things like his whole plot with this and getting close to Jack is he knows that Jack is stronger than him. Yeah. He knows that. Did you see how impressed he was when he took out Michael? Yeah. So the thing here, here's what Lucifer's plan was. His plan was to gain, you know, favor with Jack. It didn't really give a fuck about if he loved him or not. He just wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to end him. And it was all about himself. And the only reason he was playing all these cards, you know, playing his Trump cards on him, trying to, you know, sway his opinion was so he could take advantage of that power. You know, there's no way, There's no way maybe 6% of him really gave a shit about what Jack said. And you saw it right there, Mike, you said it right there when he literally at the flip of a switch changes, says, you know what? Fuck it. And goes to basically kill his own son. Like, see, I I agree with you in some point, but I think that's almost painting it as too much. He's just so evil. It was, it was nothing. Dude, he did, he did the most despicable thing. He wanted to kill his own kid. He did, but hear me out. There is no redemption from that. He is. And I'm glad. Because now he's the ultimate evil. Yep. He would not even Crowley would do something like that. In fact, what turned Crowley good? Family. Lucifer. His down. His 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 downward spiral started with family, and it ended with family. His hatred, his lack of respect for anybody or anything other than himself, it all turned on him at the end. I feel like he would have been okay with Jack. If Jack sided with him, but I don't think there was love there. That that tear from last week, that was 100% about mm-hmm. him. It was. But what I liked about this episode is because he, it, it is a great example to me of Lucifer's power as the manipulator. Because as I'm watching it, even I'm like, man, that would be nice. Like, I'm I'm Jack in that point a little bit. You're what? I'm Jack You're at Jack that point. You're Jack at that point? Yes, also that. Jack in that point. All right. I was like Jack where I'm seeing this potential oh, I took route. out Michael. Oh, I took out Michael. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Michael. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, don't say that. That's my name. Don't say that out loud. Oh, that was weird, huh? Yeah, that I got was. weird for a second. What I liked about that entire bit was that I felt like jack in that moment where i was listening to lucifer and saying you know what that does sound cool that would be nice the fucking snake in the garden got in my head at the last minute and i know better i know better than to think like jack at that point i should be thinking like sam and what i liked about that and yes he is ultimately evil and we see that through his true nature when push comes to shove i liked so much about this was we start to think he might have changed just enough we think that leaning into it because of what he said, how he presents himself to Jack. And some people I'd seen online say that the redemption arc was like a failure because he didn't redeem himself. And I what, think it wasn't even about that. It, it, wasn't, it was it, better it wasn't. than that. It was showing yeah. that Lucifer himself was the failure. His redemption arc was nothing but distraction. It was keeping us from figuring out that he would end up turning Blinders. on Jack. Because even though some people will say, oh, it was predictable. We pretty much thought that. Yeah, I think a lot of us assumed that 
Lucifer would end up making the bad decision mm-hmm. or the wrong decision. We said so much as much last week that Lucifer is going to end up making the bad decision. But it even goes deeper than that. It goes back down to his core identity of just being an evil piece of shit. It comes down to what is better for him. It does, but I feel like they did a good job having him still start to go down that route because of the scream scene where when he he has always been about lies and half truths with Jack and he at the end of Exodus we see he doesn't want to that that little look of maybe I don't want to do this because if he lies to Jack and Jack finds out he will lose him he will lose that power he will lose everything that the only thing that has ever mattered to him he will lose and when Jack uses the truth telling magic that was really fucking cool the Jedi mind trick he is exposed 100% for who he truly is. He is a monster who enjoyed killing an innocent girl. And when Jack confronts him with that, he has nowhere to hide. There are no lies he can hide behind. There's no half-truths. There's no talking his way out of it. Everyone knows who he truly is at that moment. And when he has nothing else, no escape, he just yells like a child. And I thought that was that was great to see that because he was hurt, but then he goes right into, fuck it. I'm going to go exactly what I – I'm not going to hold up these pretenses anymore. I'm not going to try. I'm going to do what I've done best, and that's what I want for me. Man, I've hit fuck it a lot. Like I, I've hit that where you just scream and you just you just hit fuck it and slice someone's throat open. And I, I like that because, A, it fits perfectly into Lucifer's mm-hmm. character lying to us and some of us wanting to believe it for just a half second. But his true nature is shown when push comes to shove. Dude, I, thought, I thought that was – Fucking great. That scream scene was very intense because it felt very much everything he is as a person, this rage and this anger and the the violence and that he is so that's who he is. Yeah. Not any of the whispers and and manipulation, the yelling hatred outside of interpretive thoughts on a fictional characters, you know. Ideas. Sincerity. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, bottom line, Dab did a great job bringing lucifer back to bad guy status yes which has been elusive through the last couple years we have wanted to know where lucifer stands what we're going to do with this character and we've all been kind of torn because yeah we like him Mm -hmm. so is he going to have that redemption arc is he going to be a bad guy and i feel and i think a lot of us in the room has has voiced something very similar throughout the years we felt like they removed his fangs. Yeah. That yeah. there was no I, I think way. I said that exact phrase. There was no way Lucifer could ever be portrayed as the villain again, at least at the level that he was in season five. Yeah, right. And by having him using those Shakespearean um, notes, drawing upon those inspirations, using the cornerstones of some of the best literature in history, you managed to flip that character on a dime. Mm-hmm. You managed to give him back his fangs after almost three years of, of no being, thanks of being docile and the genius of pitting him against a character like Jack. This is good writing. They built Jack up all year. Mm-hmm. The audience loves him. I don't know one person that, seen that one doesn't thing. like the character. Yeah. Jack, his naiveness, the fact that he wanted to go play star Wars in the stars. I mean, dude, that hurt, when dude. he said that it hit my heart. I was like, Oh, yeah. I, think, I think I vocally out loud said this when I was watching the episode i was like oh poor kid yeah like because i knew does, i dude. knew it was he not going to end well for it him. reminded me very much of star wars that t- 
come with join me as father and son Ugh. that that luke darth but even vader, vader loved his kid he I mean, did yes but i'm just saying he like, chopped his hand off though like he did he did you know maul him. that's just punishment though that's just like at least hey. it was his hand yeah could have been something you got, else you, you took a cookie out of the jar that's you one touched hand your sister with that hand i'm gonna oh, oh yeah he was removing oh, the, oh, the incest the sin. yeah the sin. he was re- removing the incest hand there we that's go smart. all right so did he remove the incest lips stop, too as well stop so but bring you're the, right with that, that tank did that um it hurts that scene when jack is so naive is it he's childlike at that moment and just the way they built jack up all season you can kind of see the genius and yes we have spoken bad things about the season i think there's some inconsistencies but one thing he did right was build that character up of jack so that when this happened we were instantly turned off by lucifer i'm a huge Mm -hmm. fan of lucifer but the moment he turned on his son i was like yeah you're done I don't even care about you, dude. I want I wanted him to die. And when he died, I was actually grateful. I was like, thank fucking God. Not only are you finally out of this shit, and it meant a lot, though, at the mm-hmm. same time. That death meant a lot. It it was I liked it so much because for a moment it did get into my head like Jack. Maybe this could be a nicer ending. But at the same time, I knew he was trying to outrace the clock well, with Michael's element. But it 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 worked from a how like you said mike how quickly on a dime we switch him over that rage that pure emotional yell at that moment was everything you needed to know about this character and the and going so dark as to kill his own son and pitting sam and jack against each other what i loved about that was that these are the two characters who are theoretically the closest to him his son and the true vessel and they're so different than lucifer at that time and the the idea of the father being this failure lucifer just attacked his son and took his power and wants nothing to do with him is so hateful at that moment yeah there was no sam is the one who won't kill him because he's more family than lucifer ever is to jack can we just can we talk about just how many strikingly amazing visual effects shots we had in a matter of like 10 minutes like the scream, the scream to me mm-hmm. stood out because of the visual effects they added to it. Like him just screaming like a temper tantrum would have been, it would have worked. But I think adding the eyes, adding the overall, whatever you want to call those, the vibes coming, like as he's screaming, added to it. Also, the, when uh, he uses the jet, Jack uses a Jedi mind trick and you see Lucifer's mm-hmm. eyes change color. And then you see like the, like the cracks coming right. out of it. Dude, that was freaking amazing. And in a matter of 10 minutes, we had some of the best visual effects shots we've seen in probably since what? the I don't know, the cage shots or some of the other things some that we've of those seen. Other ones, yeah. So <clears throat> to add to these emotional, pretty emotional scenes and adding these visual effects shots that really do add to the scene. It's great visual storytelling. Yes. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. You can have an emotional scene, but if you're obviously we're dealing with the air quotes supernatural to have to throw those in in these areas to add the, to the effect of you know holy shit this is like this is big time because I, I think if they would have done the scream scene without it it wouldn't have meant as much i think it would have been just like oh i'm throwing a temper tantrum this was more like holy shit he's pissed well even when you look at that shot because vw was kind of to put a picture in the mm-hmm. chat there's pressure gauges in the background when he finally explodes Oh, that's it's well thought out it was well done and i i enjoyed a lot about that but it's it's so primal as well 
with that that pure rage, which is I loved seeing Mark Pellegrino as an actor in that moment. It was nothing but pure emotion, well, which we, is something we don't often get. Not not you know supernatural so much, but like most movies and entertainment, you don't get just raw emotion. emotion. It's usually well thought out and and nuanced and things like that. Well, even with Lucifer this season, all we've really gotten was him being kind of goofy mm-hmm. and comedic. And and look, I don't, I'm not hating on that because that's just how Lucifer has been. Right, built up in this, but this scene was the the pure, pure raw emotion evil, and it 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 wiped away and as Mike said, any idea that he had a redeeming quality within him, any idea that he had been wronged by God, any idea that he had was anything but the cancer that Gabriel claimed him to be. Yeah, that he was he was that that is who he is, and praying on Jack at that moment of weakness was so much like him praying on him being afraid of how much he's hurt people and yet we see he's nothing like it and and kudos to alexander calvert so fucking good as an actor to see him go from rage to suicidal thoughts to joy and then to just sorrow and sadness all in this episode kudos to that guy he has such great range it is so emotional watching Dude. and and because he does convey that castiel season four naivety mm-hmm. this childlike wonder at some points and yet this unbridled power all at the same time this season seeing how powerful he was and seeing what dab did with the shakespearean elements between his father and the son and what could be with Jack, not just from the thematic elements, but mm-hmm. from a story to- storyline of Sam and Dean, his true parentage, essentially teaching him how to be a hunter. There's so much potential for his character next season, especially with where things have ended for him and the situation they find themselves in at the end of this episode. It's it's fucking tragic, which is I, something well, I love. Dude, when he turns the Archangel Blade on himself... I- I was like, oh my God, like, holy, this character in the season and in in the short amount of time that we've seen him has become, yes, he is ultimately very naive, but he's become this character who's willing to sacrifice himself Mm -hmm. for these people who now he considers his family and for him to turn the blade on himself, you know, and, and I thought I was like, shit, man, you know, Sam's going to kill himself. He's going to, I was in, I was fucking all over the place. And it shows his true nature. Right. When push comes to shove, Lucifer's true nature is selfish, violent, evil. And Jack and Sam, but mostly Jack at this point, is selfless. Is, I believe in you, Sam. I love you as family. You can do this. I only asked of Lucifer to bring someone back because these few deaths, not the victories, but the deaths still haunt him from when Kevin right. blew himself up. He's everything his father is not. And that, too, is very Shakespearean, very, again, tragic in some ways, but it's going to be so nice to see him where he goes next year. We talked a lot at a length about how he might be a Star Wars Anakin-level character, and I think this season has shown that he is not that kind of evil. He's, he's, I don't believe he's he'll go down that route. Could they still write it into some way? They could. His greatest enemy at this point beyond Lucifer. Lucifer was, you know— a pain in some ways compared to right. what how he feels about Michael because Michael has deliberately hurt his friends and all that. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, especially because we know he's growing in strength. Now, 
the questions that some people have posed is, is he human at this point because of what Lucifer did to him? Which when I think about that, that's, that's even more fucked up what Lucifer did to him. I don't think he is. I don't think there's any reason to think he won't get his powers back at some point. The question is how long will that take to recharge because he's not an archangel who we know established canon that'll happen. But the Nephilim is something that is kind of a half that Yeah, it's a gray area here for us, you know, and that's what I actually, before you came in, Mike and I were having a conversation. I was like, is he now human because of his grace? Did he take all of his grace? Because we we know that when an angel loses all of their grace, right, Mm -hmm. they become human basically what happened to Castiel so did he take all of his grace did he take all of his power or did he siphon off some of it I think he siphoned off a dramatic amount because he still had glow grace in his in his neck wound before Lucifer healed it healed it yeah so I don't think he's gone completely but I think he'll be off Very the bench well, for I some think, time I think too with going into the next season and, and we'll talk about what we have <laughs> to deal with next season but I think it. you're right uh, Thomas, I think it has to be like halfway into next season before he even maybe gets yeah. powers back. Like, I think that again, and we talk about this all the time with the powered characters that they have to be nerfed at some point because mm-hmm. they can, you know, they can ultimately just walk in and snap their wrists and boom, you know, and it's, then it's not threatening. And then it's not threatening. So I think with, with, with Jack, I think we're definitely going to have to get in that realm where it's like, Hey, he's, you know, air quote nerfed. And I, and I don't, I don't really like using that term for him because he's a little he'll bit have different, to be on but, the bench for a little bit but yeah. i think beyond the physical effects of what lucifer did to him in this episode there's going to be a greater emotional fallout for jack because what one thing that dav has done with this season whether or not we liked all of it that i think we can all agree on is how the characters had these emotional this emotional baggage carried throughout multiple episodes. It wasn't just a one and done. We're totally back to normal thing. We've seen that with Sam and Dean in the beginning of the season. We saw it with Jack and the events of Kevin and who he couldn't save throughout even to this episode. And the idea that his father was so vengeful, so violent and evil and would do even that to him, I think is going to cast doubt into Jack's mind once again about whether or not he's a good person. Seeing that rage from Lucifer when he thinks back to he almost killed an innocent kid at the what the gas and go, whatever the hell that place the was. Com- the come and go. He's <laughs> there's actually Jesus. a gas station called that. Just so you know. He's going to think more along the lines of am I like Lucifer in some way? Lucifer's entire playbook entire personality is that he gave people what they wanted so long as it panned out for him at the end and seeing that done to jack i think he's going to have emotional damage from that i think it would make sense from what transpired that he feels like dean especially after dean gave him that speech is family and in some ways he let dean down because he trusted in his father who also hurt him and is he going to, if with seeing that rage, is he any different than Lucifer? Or is there going to be doubt cast into him at this time? And I think that's another nice element that Dab has done in this episode with these characters. Perhaps the greatest character this season being Jack, what we like to see of him. It's, it's not biblical, but it's, it's very, it's Shakespearean. That's really the only way to say that. It's great. Now, the idea that, Michael came back into play and the big thing of Dean finally saying yes after so many years does bring up a little bit of a question for us as fans of Team Free Will. That very name in some respects is now put into question because we still had 
the events from season four and season five with Destiny play into the narrative this many years later with Lucifer and and Michael having this all-out fight. And in many ways, it did come full circle with Dean as the Michael sword finally becoming the vessel. Lucifer and Sam were the vessel for some time. Is destiny more of a subjective term? Is free will more of a subjective idea? What if it's what if it's more of a mix of both? Where it's here's your guideline. Here's your so like here's your guideline. And if you deviate up and down off that line, obviously not going so far away from it. And the way I, I I'm I'm trying to use an analogy here where you have a straight line, that's your destiny or your free will. And <laughs> how's Thomas? He's never used a microphone before. <laughs> So you've got your line on the top the of its path destiny, the bottom of his free will, and you weave back and forth through it. And I think, what if it's a little bit of both? Where, yeah, Dean's destiny was to be taken over by Michael, but now look at Sam's destiny. Wasn't his destiny to be taken over by Lucifer? If Lucifer's dead. He was, though, for a period of time. Right. But So is it that these events will occur? We just don't know exactly we, yeah. how? I think that's what it is, dude. I think that's what they're alluding to is that, hey, this might eventually happen, but we don't know when or how. But it's like it's on the table at all times. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. So then is the idea of free will, free will, free will subjective? Is it not a true thing? Is it something we believe in falsely in this reality? Man, I... You're getting way too deep for me. Well, I mean, my brain's starting to hurt to your point that perhaps destiny is this path that it will ultimately lead down. But the way in which we get there is this winding labyrinth. You in may, some respects. Yeah, you make those free will t- calls, but you all you're going to end up. There is some evidence to support that idea with the idea that Rowena will always be killed by Sam. Whatever right. way she chooses or whatever way results in her death. Ultimately, it's always going to be Sam. So it does somewhat take away this idea of free will when Billy herself knows how many ways this story ends. Yeah. She knows how many times Dean's died and how he dies. She said that she has a whole section of it or, and then this is another idea is destiny, a force like the ocean that will eventually get what it wants, regardless of how often you try to change it to reverse the course of your destiny. However you want to fight it. I, that really is the idea of destiny that no matter what this will happen. So is free will perhaps an agency that we believe in that lets us choose the way in which we get there, but we're ultimately always <laughs> destined yeah. to end up in the same place, man. That's some deep shit, Thomas. That's heavy. As Marty McFly would say, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? On what destiny and free will? I think you guys covered it. I mean, I think you guys are on the, you guys do, are on the right path. Do you feel that the show is trying to change the idea of team free will, however, a little bit by including this destiny element, or has that always been there since Kripke's era? So I feel like he's trying to stay true to the whole idea of free will, but at the same time saying, hey, destiny is possibly an influence. Put his own spin on it. Like, hey, you know what? Destiny, yes, is destiny and it's set in stone, but there's also the concept of free will. How does that work out? Well, what if destiny is just simply a influence of sorts? 
a course correction. Think of it as death. You know, when someone's supposed to die, mm-hmm. um, eventually they're going to die. No matter what, you can't avoid it. You know, the whole mm. the whole theory behind death. That's yeah. the was it the in uh, horror films where hey, if Sumatra. you escape death, that's fine. You escaped it for the time being, but it's going to get you in some way again soon. So it could be a lot like that. You can push destiny aside, but it's always going to be there, influencing the narrative of your life. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think that is kind of where he's taken this idea moving so far with Chuck being introduced and talking about other chosen ones. And this is something we've talked about at length in most recent episodes. Maybe it'll come into play a little bit more into light as we see more recurrences from Billy death moving forward. I mean, the idea of free will, I mean, I, I guess is that play this episode. Dean chose he, he chose to take on Michael. You know, he allowed Michael to enter on his own terms. So, but hey, you know what's free will? Because I, I decided. made the decision. It wasn't I decided. Yeah. yeah. So is destiny a the flow of the river, but free will it can change the direction of the boat. We're always going to go this direction, but how exactly we get there, we can perhaps control. Right. What goes back to the analogy you used with Rowena. And uh, all the many ways she died by Sam. And we already know that eventually, according to Ruby, or not Ruby, um, what's her name? Billy? Billy. Ruby, same (laughs) thing. According to Billy, um, she will eventually die. Right. From Sam's hands, so. Mm -hmm. and Or maybe not from his hands. Oh, Jesus. Now, whether or not, (laughs) these are, as you said, Ryan, kind of deeper questions perhaps for another time, but it does. I don't even think they've even thought about them. I don't know. No way, dude. That that was the nice way of me saying that. (laughs) But I think you're right, Mike. He has stuck to Kripke's intentions, his vibe for the most part. Because it does feel consistent. It does feel like it fits within the universe that has been established beforehand. We just maybe have – we've learned so much more about what happens behind the curtain. So whether or not Dean's choice is what makes free will an element or whether Destiny always controls that, we'll have to see. Time will tell with that. But but that that will be a discussion for later as we have a lot of other discussions on the show through the Patreon so if you guys are interested, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital, where you can get entire extra content for Supernatural The Crossroads, whether that is our discussion of whether we should have an entire season in an alternate universe, the retro review episodes from season one are 10 minutes at the crossroads for just a dollar a month. We also have an additional new package coming out. For those of you who have paid over $2, you will get this absolutely free. Anybody else who's at a dollar right now, it'll just be one more. You can get the cinematography of Supernatural. For just $2 a month, it'll be an interpretive discussion on select scenes, shots, and sequences from Supernatural and perhaps a few other shows from a more filmmaking, artistic standpoint than we traditionally get into this episode just because we don't have the time to get into everything for that. So is this going to be like a 14-hour show or – it won't. It, it could be. It could be a fourteen-hour show, but it's not going to be that intense. Oh, okay, okay. But if you guys are above the two, if you are above three dollars, you'll get this retroactively. Everybody above that. If you're at a dollar, consider it. We've got a lot of interesting things to say. We've got a lot of interesting cinematography throughout the show. So if you're interested, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Rainman Digital. Now that leads us into Michael and Dean's 
interaction this episode. This is another case of Dean becoming a little bit of a different character. And this is something that had been leaked online, obviously, way beforehand. But the question is, will this be a major plot element for a long running time? Or will this be another Demon Dean issue where he's only a few episodes? Okay. Mike, put the camera on me. I'm going to point this out right now that I swear to God or Chuck. I'm acknowledging that Chuck is God in this show. My God, my Chuck. I swear to God that if this doesn't last for more than three episodes that he is Michael or at least to the mid season finale, I will punch dab in the face because, (laughs) and, and here's why. Okay. Demon Dean was such a cool concept and for it to end as quick as it did, felt forced it felt like they wasted an opportunity because we don't get to see jensen play a different character that often Mm -hmm. and we don't get and we talk about all the time his acting is amazing he is changed over the years and become a very good actor the fact that the last couple scenes of this episode where he was quote unquote michael I felt like, holy shit, this could be such a very awesome thing for him to play and to be the quote unquote, at least first half of the season, bad guy. Now, if they end it early and it just fizzles off, it seems like it's a wasted opportunity. Especially with that, especially with what you just said in that last segment there where it's destiny. If his destiny was truly to let Michael in, then it lasting three seat or three episodes is a waste of time. So let it run out. I know there's going to be people who will bitch on Twitter. Oh my God. You know, we want Sam and Dean working together. Well, no, like, look, okay. Sometimes, you know, you, you need you, to shake up you, the form. Yeah. You got to shake it up. And I, and I'm typically, I'm, I'm more of the fan. That's like, you know, I want Sam and Dean to be working together. I want that. That's the whole show. Right. But add some stakes to this by making him be Michael for a while half the season i don't know but like well you have the first few if they don't do it let's not pretend we're trying to stay true to the template of supernatural because the template of supernatural was thrown out the window a long time ago now that it's an ensemble cast with catch rowena very true uh, castiel jack lucifer michael bobby uh charlie we're we're we've crossed that line so if we want to change it up more at this point moving into season 14 then why not and i'm on the side of ryan like why introduce this concept so you can have a cliffhanger? I mean, m- make it matter. Yep. And the way I broke it down in the show notes is you have the premiere, let's say, mm-hmm. one to three episodes to get the story going. Dev okay. usually does two episodes, right? So you have episodes four and five. Let's say they're Monster of the Week episodes. Okay, fair enough. Keep Dean and Michael's story going. Yep. Right? Have it being its own thing, parallel it with whatever's going on with the monster of the week. You have Sam, you have Jack, you have Mary, you have Bobby all working together in Castiel. Episodes six through nine, uh, the Dean is Michael Ark, and then you rescue him and you set the tone for the midseason premiere. You could have an Th- ultimate cliffhanger and then Michael can still be an element for the rest of the season, Look, make, just not with Dean as his make, vessel. Yeah, make Michael the ultimate bad guy for this season, the big baddie. And you, but yes, Mike, that timeline, I would be fucking perfectly okay with and that. And if you need to have the Jensen flair, if you need to have the Dean Winchester, then have it be an internal battle between, yeah. and I'm not talking what they did with Castiel and Lucifer, where he was inside the mind of yeah. Lucifer, but have it be uh, much like what Sam did with Lucifer, where he was struggling to take 
over and take control. If we had moments like that where we had Dean Winchester come through, I think it would add that much more and also oh, add the, the the detriment or the the tragedy of that he's a prisoner inside this body. It could fuel the next half of the season. Look, if you if you really have people Jones and for for Dean, okay, why not have a flashback episode? Give I us got some, a better idea. Give us something like that. Season five, Sam talked to Lucifer in his own vessel through the use of mirrors. Smeagol and Gollum talked to themselves oh, through God, just a different goosebumps. camera angle. Jensen is a phenomenal actor. We've seen his abilities both in comedic and, and dramatic and serious and all kinds of different things. Let him flex those muscles. Have a Gollum Smeagol moment, Sam Lucifer moment again. Where, as you said, Mike, he's a tr- prisoner in his own body. And see that interaction and let him as an actor bring to light the pain that Dean is in and just the smug arrogance that is Michael mm-hmm. at that point. Yep. I just I just think that the problem here in, in, in underlying what's going to happen is they're, they're going to – people are going to get upset that we're not getting – Dean Winchester, we're getting. We Michael. have to move past that. We've, and I and I agree. I I look. I I want Dean to be a part of the show. All the but good storytelling should dictate what you do. Not exactly. The, not, not the vocal audience. And I agree. And I one hundred percent agree. And that's what I don't want. I want this concept to to to, to go the distance. Um, I think know. the majority of the audience would be okay with that because we know he's coming back. Right. But, right. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. What's nine episodes? Give us nine episodes. Yeah. What what's the big deal? In in the last fourteen seasons, going on fourteen seasons, what's the big deal removing the Dean Winchester element from the Sam Winchester element for nine episodes? And what's let, the big deal? And let the characters do like you said, let the writing dictate what happens. Let Dean and Michael give us some on screen conflict within themselves. Let Jack and Sam work together and become more of his own character. Now that he's not so much burdened with internal torment, unless Lucifer's actions had some effect on him, let us see how that plays out. The dad did a great job in the beginning of the season with emotions lasting more than one episode. Mm -hmm. So let us not see that be a running arc for half the season. It makes the most sense. I just, I think what's cool about, about this whole thing is that this Michael that we see is completely different than the Michael that we're used to. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Dean play that version of Michael because he is a bit more ruthless. Right. Um, so I am excited to see that. I think uh, now uh, one question that I did have Mike before you hold on um, was Dean says, you know, I am your sword and he mm-hmm. says, you know, but uh, I want to be in control. Right. Um, they make that deal and he, he gives him permission with the deal. Do we know, have we seen um, where the angel ends up taking over the demon ends up ta- after giving the permission? Cause I don't think that like, that's a deal. Like, you know, how do you break that? Well, um, he never said that he would let, have control the whole time. <laughs> I mean, you just, it's, it's when Sam and Lucifer fought in swan song, you know, it's just a, a mental click as to who's in control. Okay. I, I just, I, I, I figured that's what it was, but I just wasn't sure right. that, you know, they made that deal like, hey, you know, I want to be in control. Mm-hmm. So I, I just was curious about that one. I don't know, man. I'm just excited to see Dean play someone. I mean, we've seen him play a, the demon version, which I thought was funny as hell, um, but was good. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Um, and it made sense. I just 
I, I want to see more of him. We've seen Sam play a bunch of different characters. We've, you know, we've seen, seen Castiel, Castiel obviously. do it. You know, we've seen all these people do it, but Dean, and I think this is the one I really want. This is something, like you said, this is destined to happen. Right. So this needs to last a while. Yeah. And I, and the question that comes about, because you said that it's not the Michael we know, what exactly is his plan for this world of ours? Is it going to be a similar to Apocalypse world? He says himself that he's made some mistakes and he's not going to repeat them necessarily. But is that true or will he be so cocky and arrogant that he'll just do what he wants once again? Does he have the desire? That's the biggest problem with this character. Yeah. Michael, because we don't know what his motivation is. Like, okay, so you're obsessed with this conquering another world? Okay, fine. I can even get behind that. But even Genghis Khan had motivation. Right. Mm -hmm. He felt like he was bringing, uh, not Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great felt like he was bringing civilization to people. You know, he, no one's for, the villain in their own eyes. So what is his motivation? And that's something that they have to tackle from the very beginning of next season. And they, they probably should have tackled it this year. Yeah. But they didn't. What is his motivation? Okay, we can understand his motivation might be a little murky. He thought he was doing the right thing in his other world. It all fell apart. But now what's his motivation to coming over to this world and doing the exact same thing? Is it just simply bloodshed? Is it some type of self-righteous behavior or vendetta? I I don't know what the right word I'm looking for here. Crusade? But yeah, there just needs to be justification. And if it is simply bloodshed, then that can also be motivation. But it has to be set up because so far he's just a mystery and we don't really know what drives him. He's just powerful is what we know. Powerful and arrogant. And when you look back at some of the other strong seasons, Azazel's desire was mysterious, but it ultimately served one purpose, which was to unleash the demons from hell and let Lucifer have his vessel, bring about the apocalypse. The angels tell us as much in season four, and we know what Lucifer is after. Castiel, in the end of season six and beginning of season seven, is trying to end a civil war and become a new godlike figure. Metatron wanted to be worshipped and be god because he had you know a small ego or a huge ego and a small dick, whatever you want to say. The Leviathans, even then, we know that they're everybody trying to has a motivation except Michael. Michael. We know wanted to get here, and now that he's here, what's next? And you're right, Mike, that ideally that would have been set up more here rather than just the take the suit and fly away idea. So I think that ultimately has to be ideally first episode back, if not the second, because we know Deb's style has kind of been a one two punch with the premiere. But that that needs to be set up absolutely right away. Now, the other characters leading into what you had said, Mike, about the ensemble cast being a thing is very much a thing now. There's no need to adhere to the old ways if we have all these characters if this is what we're doing yeah let's not pretend anymore this isn't this isn't about sam yes the the emotional narrative will always be sam and dean but let's not pretend this is uh not an ensemble cast because it very much is between jack and mary alone there's so much potential for stories not only they're you know brothers in arms left in the trenches from apocalypse world but they're going to have this kinship with bobby and we see that a little bit with Mary and him in the beginning of this episode where there's some kinship. He knows her from before in his world. She never knew Bobby. I just don't give a shit. You don't care about them at all. I I just don't give a shit. Like I, I love Mary and I love Bobby. I don't like their, them putting them together, which was very obvious. mm -hmm. Seemed to me like they don't know what to do with them. 
I think they don't. And that's a shame because there is a very obvious I know what answer. They do. Kick their ass back to the fucking apocalypse world where they should have <laughs> stayed. Not Mary, but Bobby and the rest of the AU uh, refugees. No, they all should go. Even Mary. And here's the thing. Like, I'm on, I'm on the same page, Mike. I don't give a fuck. And See, the thing I'm is, I'm confused like, because Mary's drive was to save that world and save right, these people. Right. And same thing with Bobby and Charlie and everyone else. Now, suddenly, cool. Yeah. We, we like made it. it. We like it here. I yeah. got mine. Oh, so, you know, like it felt weird and out of place. And it just like last minute. Oh, like, so, too rushed. so what you're saying is you like it here now and you're going to stay. And now you basically have these characters that have died. Now they just going to come back over. It, like, and, and what's yeah. the point of the entire discourse that took five, 10 minutes last week of, yep. of trying the to convince them the to end. come over. And it took away from the, the, the power that Sam and Dean has their destiny and convincing people to join them. And they're going to go back and save their world. Yeah, they can do that again, but I don't think they're going to. To the what way they, purpose and goal? Right. And, 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 and they kind of shrugged it off by saying, well, Michael's over here now. So, yeah, yeah but you still have a world in ruins with, with how many other humans? Seven. It, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. We got the idea that, that there was more humans. No, there, there's, a, there's a lot, but it's still not our Earth, six, nine billion population. And you're right because they go from the very last thing Bobby says in Exodus is that we're not giving up the fight. We're not done with our world, but we're going to we made it here at least. So let's have a drink. Very next episode. He's dressed like our Bobby. He's acting like our Bobby. He talks like our Bobby. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, you know, I don't really want to go back. And to me, that was the writer dab saying, eh, you don't really want to go back to that idea. So instead of introducing new characters that could be used as supporting cast, we regurgitate old characters and we pseudo bring them back from another universe. And voila, we have our entire crew again, guys. Especially. It it feels like weak sauce, man. Well, especially when Ketch was the quintessential character's interaction with Mary that we were desperate to see. The events of season 12. Not only that, Rowena and him and Ketch's connection. What was that about? There was supposed to be a connection there. He was searching for her. And all we got was a with an eye Angry glare. was an eye nod. They like, hey, I'm fuck. here. What's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? What's up? Wait, uh, you you do want to party with us? Yeah. Be- and, and that's yeah. the thing is that Catch was the obvious choice for this interaction there. His betrayal to marry his abandonment of the men of letters, his re- death he, and revival. But he doesn't fit the nostalgia they wanted. Uh, yeah. Come on, Thomas. It's about nostalgia. We're trying to be positive. We got a year-end review next in the two weeks. You guys, you know, you guys remember uh, Mary? Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the case. You because remember, you remember Idget? You remember? You remember when he said Idget? I remember. Pepperidge Farm members. <laughs> Stupid. Man. Unfortunately, that seems to be the case, and this is something we will get into at length when we do our season thirteen entire year review and retrospective, because. That really did feel out of place. The catch is just off doing catch things. What kind of fucking answer is that? Mary's the one person that he traveled to this other dimension to to help as part of his redemption. And it's just left hanging. We still haven't seen them together. Yeah. Yeah. His personal arc just fizzled. There was nothing. He walks through the, he walks through the fissure and he's like, hey, what's up? And then they never seen And him. I love catch. I love him. Especially but if because- you remove him from the show nothing now you lose nothing if you remove him if you go to the show and do like a an, let's say you do a director's cut of this season mm-hmm. and cut out all his scenes it would not even hurt the story that's yep. a shame that's a problem and that's the thing is that he had been set up as so much more than this hey everybody remember catch he was fun wasn't he he had been 
but with how season 12, how violently he ended and, and what he did to Mary and the Winchesters, for them not to even talk on screen at the same time, that's unacceptable. I'm sorry. That really pissed me off. You can't keep characters lying around with no purpose. You can't. Uh, you, you, I mean, you, you, guest you, spots are one thing. Yes. If you're going to throw them on the back burner, man, give them a reason to be on the back burner. Don't just have them just there. Like, what, yeah. what the fuck could possibly catch things be? Um, if he spent his last time hunting Rowena, who he found, and then trying to save Mary, who he found. Tea time, duh. So what the fuck else is he doing? Let's backtrack a bit, all right? So let's let's break this down, the difference between guest spots and then and how they're supposed Supporting to be cast. used, all right? So you have guest spots. They're one thing. They are, they are supportive to the core cast. But Ketch, let's just stay with him, mm-hmm. has been set up as more than just simply a basic supportive Look at the characters from the past, Joe and Ellen, and mm-hmm. even Kim Rhodes' character, Jody Mills. There is a development, but it's close-ended. Yeah. Catch. Is missing the final piece. Bobby. Charlie. Not Rowena. I think she has been, she's tidy. She kind of has a tidy, tidy right now. It's all open-ended development, and I'm, I'm left wondering why. Like if you want to drag things over throughout the year, fine. But for the most part, you got to take those those loose ends and tie them off by the end of your season. Otherwise, yep. they start becoming strands of thread that can fucking disrupt Unravel your entire everything. story. And from a literary sense, and and Thomas take us through this. There are three basic types of arcs. As far as as literature goes, yes, you've got the change arc, which is also commonly known as the hero's journey which is the protagonist has to change from the unlikely plucky downtrodden hero or person to the savior and hero. This is a radical transformation from what they were. They find the inner strength within them. This is your Luke Skywalker where you start as a farm boy and you end up saving the galaxy. Going like to get that some power is, converters. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. your traditional change arc. Second one we have is the growth arc. And in this, the protagonist overcomes an internal opposition whether that's a weakness or a fear or their past selves where they face that external opposition and as a result become a fuller, better person. Still pretty much who they were, but better. And that's kind of where Ketch was. He's facing his previous past, what he did, the people he left behind, the, the world in which he was entrenched to be this better person. That's exactly why he went with Dean in episode 18, Bring Him Back Alive. Catch has been put on a hybrid hero's journey. Well, yeah. And then the third one, just to wrap that up real quick, is the fall arc. Well, that's your tragedy where Anakin. the protagonist dooms himself and or others and declines into insanity or death. That is your Anakin. Castiel has been on, been on various fall arcs. Yeah. 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 When he was uh, season six. Leviathan. Yeah. Season six, yeah. absolutely. Season six was a major fall arc. Season eight. A little bit, yeah. Possibly a fall eight arc. to nine, yeah. So that, that these aren't new concepts to the writing room and Supernatural, but and that's why I know they're aware of some of these arcs. But you you take into account now Catch's arc. It's a hybrid it's half of two. It's, yeah, it's a hybrid hero's journey. But he reached the peak of his growth, and we have yet to see his complete arc, which feels weird for a character that is considered supportive. He's not a main player. Main players, you keep their stories open. But he's more than a guest spot at this point, which is somebody who doesn't necessarily need a full story. Yeah, it feels a bit like, it feels confusing a bit. 
It does because because it's it's two pieces of three. Yeah. He start he comes back, he's he's down and needs to redeem himself, he needs to change in some way. He starts to turn this corner. We get to the the climax of that element where he risks it all to save somebody else and then it's gone. Well, okay, let's look at his arc this way as well. Now, let's say they're using this hybrid arc as a way to flesh out our our main characters, which would be a great way to be a hybrid supportive, right? I say for a support character, that makes sense. Right. So then what you would do then is you would take this hybrid hero's journey and parallel his story with Sam and Dean yep. and something they are doing that you can then look at and say, well, this is... That's Castiel seasons four and five. Yes. And they're not doing that. So it felt odd to even have this arc happening. And you're left kind of wondering what was the point? Well, because it's unfinished. And that's a shame. You can't do that for the season. I get that you have future seasons going along. But any other character that went that went off screen for a certain amount of time and came back, they were finished where they were yeah. beforehand. And so Ellen and Joe in season one or in season two help them through to the point of Sam coming back to life, killing Azazel and closing the gate. They return in season five when they're needed again and help them through the apocalypse scenarios. And but at no point are you left hanging and wondering what the fuck yeah. for two years right. with seasons three and four. Well, and that's that's where we can look at Jody's arc as a good example, yes. because her arc has been a growth arc ever since the inter- her introduction in season five. But it's always ended tidy yep. and close ended with the possibilities for additional growth. And we have characters that like Rowena and Charlie and Bobby and catch more specifically just wide open. And they've yeah. never, they've yep. never done these types of things with these guest Not spot slash supportive. I mean, they had the open into story of Felicia Day's character, Charlie, when she went to Oz. But even but, then that could have been closed. But there was closure. There was a sense of closure there. Yeah. And of the ones you've listed, Rowena is perhaps the only one that has felt complete. She yeah, is, I would agree with that. She feels complete. She has redeemed herself by by staying behind and keeping the rift open for as long as she could while they then transversed over. And she She's is, a perfect supporting cast. Exactly. Well, perfect example of a supporting yeah, cast. I mean, here's the thing. She had her she had her chance to fuck them over by opening that and she could have closed it. She could have, you know, Just turned been taking care of herself like she yeah, always had. Like she, but no, she decided to stay and that her complete arc that was her completion well her growth arc has been a part of it since funeralia where she is trying to do something not selfish for once right and she is becoming a better person and her power and abilities directly play into what sam and dean need at that time so i think for her for her yes i think her her story arc this season has has been fulfilled it's been solid and i think you know i just think the other ones man it's it's too much. It's too much, and you too left many it that, wide the fuck open. It's like that's honestly the probably the phrase spoilers for you know our year end review that we could use for this season. Mm-hmm. It's too much, and you can have all these characters still be potentials, but you have to close them out. Yeah, you have to you have to give the audience some closure because there's just too many open ended questions, questions attached to these character arcs. Yeah. Because so, to me, you know what it feels like? Mm. It feels like, oh shit, we're at the end. 
what are we, we going to do? We haven't uh, wrapped up catch yet. Uh, let's just have them be Out MIA from yeah. the episode. Don't worry. We'll, I got it. We'll I got a de- sentence. We'll deal with it next He's year. He's doing but, catch things. Hold on. He, Nailed here, it. Here, here's where we want you to look. Don't look over here. Just fucking put some blinders. Yeah. And don't worry about that character. He's still yeah. around. You know, like you can't I, do he, that, yeah. man. And this is where I, I think we I need think, better setup for next year. I think. I think he dabbed us on that. He oh. dabbed us? Yeah. Yep. Well, all right. With that. Yeah, that's it. That's so with that, hey, what are we gonna do about Catch's story arc? Though we only have um, we have only uh, four episodes to go. I'm just gonna write this meaningless sentence that makes no fucking sense called Catch Things. I'm catching and call things. Call it a day. What about going back to alternate apocalypse world? I got it. I got a problem. I got I got something for that. Here it comes. Nothing. That was right. That's right. That's what I wrote. Nothing. We and, don't go uh, back. We say, fuck it. And Bobby, you know, this fandom, they love shipping. So we're just going to pair him up with Mary. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Yeah. That's basically hey, their surrogate father hey, with their actual mother. Hey, Internet, do you like me now? Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I trending? Let me do a funny, non-clever tweet right before the show starts. <laughs> How about I have a character with a really classy suit, but like a total dork hat? Oh, come on. Because <laughs> I think that's so cool. That, that's cool, right? Is that Fedora? Ship? No, I mean, uh, flat cap. Is that ship Barry? Is that what that would be? Bear, fuck Mobby. No. Mm. All right. All right. Let's Did let's say mommy. Mobby. Mobby. Oh. I think Barry works better. But Barry just sounds weird. Let's go into our final thoughts for this episode. Just this episode, Ryan. What do you give this finale? Um, this was a B plus. Okay. Um, I'm gonna start off with what I did not like. I swear to God, and I I, I said I was gonna wait to the end, but the flying at the end of the episode made me want to blow my brains out. I swear to God, it looked like uh, Austin Powers and Fat Bastard decides to do a wire fighting fucking maneuver. It was very, very bad. Um, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I I have to be honest about it. It. I'm sitting there watching it, rolling my eyes. It was. If they would have kept that fight grounded, showing their powers, showing them blow each other backwards and fucking flying. You like, like blowing people backwards? Of who course. doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't love that? But. That's that looked really, really, especially what blew me away about that is that amidst all these really awesome VFX shots of, you know, Dean walks in in the wings, you know, or Michael or um, Lucifer like exploding into light. Like mm-hmm. there were so many amazing shots. And I did throw, like that touch. That's yes, light. The throw, the wire fighting into it just like almost ruined the scene for me. Like no joke. You cannot save a a scene like that with visual effects. They, they barely did. Um, okay. That was my only hate train of the episode. That's it. Okay. Uh, as far as that, I thought the episode was very, very solid. Um, the, the turning of, of Lucifer and, and them just showing up. I think that was the biggest thing for me is with them just showing up that quick. I thought it would be towards the end of the episode. No, it was mm-hmm. halfway through the episode. And I got to tell you guys when Michael shows up in the convenience store, whoa, that was dope. Um, the all the glass blowing out. I really loved that scene. I thought the pacing of the episode was fine. No, nothing wrong with that. I felt like it was very well paced and it was, you know, um, very high energy right off mm-hmm. the bat. Uh, so I did like the episode. I just that the visual effects. I can't blow them enough in this episode. They were fucking amazing. Um, Jack's character again, shining light of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved uh, his whole, uh, you know 
arc at the end here and, and where we're going and, and uh, the potential he has. The potential. Um, I also want to say thank you, Twitter, for almost spoiling the Dean becoming Michael for me. I was <laughs> I was scrolling through. Or it wasn't Twitter. It was Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, someone posted some kind of meme with him in the blue eyes, and I thank God I scrolled past it and read what it was, but I kind of figured it out. Right. Um, but yeah, that uh, that sucked uh, a little bit, but. Regardless, I'm excited for next season because I want to see Dean play this character. So B plus for me. Like I said, the only bad thing was the the, fly, the flying thing. All right, Mike, what about you? What do you give this season finale? Uh, as an episode, as a standalone episode, I feel like it's an A. Okay. Um, I feel like there was a lot of strengths, but then there's all the nagging leftover elements that were left unanswered. A lot of arcs that just fizzled. Uh, and it's hard not to take that into account when you're looking at this episode and trying to analyze and review its, you know, technical and creative merits. It's it's hard to not mm-hmm. take that into account. I feel like the strength of the episode was relying on the former thematic elements that Kripke utilized, like we spent a lot of time on this evening discussing the Shakespearean inspirations it worked uh dab using you know implicative writing cues that would seem to foreshadow um narrative possibilities but ended up using or ended up being nothing more than distraction i think a lot of us thought lucifer was sincere but it always comes down to him and his feelings Uh, Mm -hmm. he was sincere the tear from last week or two weeks ago was real but it was for himself not for jack or the alleged you know, misconceptions of his character. It's just about him and what he wants or feels like he deserves a truly selfish person. And the way they brought this back around reminded us that he is a terrible person. And they managed to give Lucifer his fangs back at the last moment. Uh, It framed him in such a despicable way that he became the villain And he became more of a villain, I feel, even more so than season five, because it's so personal. Uh, In season five, it was not not um, there's a lot of distance between us and Lucifer and Sam. Mm -hmm. It felt like, hey, I need to do this. This is my destiny, Sam. You're just the tool by which I achieved this. It wasn't personal. This was personal. He was willing to kill his own son because he wouldn't do what he wanted him to do. He didn't worship him. If I can't him. have it. Yeah. No one it, can. So I feel like Dab is a that's a huge win when it comes to writing for Dab. Huge win. But ultimately there's a lot of nagging things that is a part of this finale. Uh so I say it's a it's a B. Okay. I I'm a lot of the lines of your oh, thought oh, been, hold oh. on and the visual effects. Uh usually <laughs> I'm on I'm on the visual effects. I love the visual effects of yeah supernatural uh but i feel like dab wrote an episode that was a little too ambitious that his ass couldn't check that his ass couldn't cash yeah there was um they didn't have the budget to do a scene like that and no. i feel like this that scene unfortunately will probably be remembered as one of the worst scenes in supernatural people Agreed. want to complain about bugs and wendigo guess what that, that ain't got it. nothing on, <laughs> fly, on flyboy dean it was awful dude i i, I hate it's, saying that you're right though and that's and it's the not thing. just awful it's embarrassing it's sad 
I would never sad. show someone that scene. If I was like, hey, man, check out the visual effects of Supernatural. I'd be like, don't, just, don't, yeah. don't watch that. Don't, no, 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 and no, no. I, and I don't blame the visual effects guys. I blame the writer of the episode who should have yep. known better because he's the showrunner. He knows what's yep. what, what budget, what dollar amount they could allot to this episode. And if you couldn't have done it correctly, then you need to cut. And honestly, we also didn't need it. It ruins the so, mysterious element that is their flight. There was so much emotion involved in this episode. We didn't even need that, you needed that, that a, flying. We, oh. we could have had them fighting each other, blasting each other. Yep. When Dean showed up and he leveled up to a thousand and you heard the music that yeah. s- sounded like a video game. I'm sure that was purposeful. Yes. It felt like a level up. And I, I fucking laughed. I loved it. I'm like, that did the trick. You combine that. Dude, it was a Dragon yeah. Ball Z moment. Yeah, like, it, no joke. It was that great. leads into my thought. It should have been more like how Dragon Ball Z did some of when. Okay, nerd out for a minute. When the anime Dragon Ball Z had characters that were way too powerful for the others in the room to even perceive, it was just these, not even images, these blasts of explosions and blurs where you couldn't even see what was happening, but it was the mountain exploded. If they had Jack and Sam try to flee the building and you see these lights and this explosion or just sounds of cracking thunder, which they have with some of the punches, yeah. mm-hmm. they could have visually given us something without showing us anything. And that's some of the strength of Kripke and what he did in the earlier yes. seasons. He would allow us to interpret Build the blank. Yeah. I'm just thinking if you had Sam or Dean and Lucifer disappear and then a crack of thunder from above or anything like just using sound and camera direction and flashes, yeah. you could have done you, something without ruining the mystique. With seeing them wire fight something out of Team America World Police, they it takes away the the unknowable power that was Angel's flight. Spread my wings and fly away. <laughs> I'm a pee on you. <laughs> gonna be warm on your face is that what dab said as he wrote it yep i think he probably said shit on you but i, I, and I think you. you're right mike ultimately dab as the writer should have been like you know what this isn't something we can do i'm gonna rewrite this scene that was him dabbing all over it that was for, him say look at my dab for me damn, this episode damn, was damn, very damn, strong damn, from a lucifer standpoint from the tragedy of the fault, the father and the son never yeah. working it out from me, believing Lucifer for just a half minute when I too should have known better was fantastic. And his acting and him and Jack Jack's acting, seeing that Sam was going to sacrifice himself because they're more like family where Lucifer was immediately caring only about himself. It was strong. It was very, very strong. And that's all we really needed to honestly. Yeah. That's all we needed. And the death, of course. I well, thought. yeah. That Lucifer death was fucking amazing. It was the, the it visual was. effects outside of the wire fighting was fantastic. Seeing yeah. Lucifer burst into light in this fiery inferno and seeing Sam's acting and Dean and Jack together where it's, he's dead. There's that one slight moment of true happiness where Sam has all of that weight from his entire life lifted from him. It's fantastic. Relief. Relief. It's true relief and joy for a moment. Padalecki did a fucking amazing job. I love job. that, dude. I think you that, can see the relief. So like yes. the, the, the weight off his shoulders when he realized Lucifer was yeah. dead. If, to me, this, this finale felt a lot like the season eight finale. It had all those yeah. emotions. Yeah, it did. It did. It was a strong finale. I have to say that 
it's probably the best finale we've had since season eight, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would agree I, with I, that. Uh, maybe the death toll and emotional fallout of 12, but it's it, it this meant so much more even if it just didn't the power, hurt as much the emotional impact yes. and the implications and and you know the foreshadowing of things to come yeah it, everything it, it was a it's, a it's an amazing finale now that being said the wire fight was exactly that unfortunately a blight not just on this season but i think all of supernatural special effects that i blame 100% dab for you should have written that differently and and come up with a better idea than to have them fly in the air physically. The idea bet- between that and the final, this one killed it for me in a lot of ways, the final freeze frame of Michael Dean looking at the camera. What the fuck is that thriller, dude? Come on. Just have him walk off with his lights, okay, his wh- eyes flash blue past the camera. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I see a lot of people complain about that. It wasn't just you. At first, I was going to make fun of you. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were bitching about that freeze frame at Zoom. Why does it break the fourth you? wall yet again, like the Scooby Doo did for me? Because it's hey, look at me, I'm Dean. You think and I'm that, also Michael? Do you think that's what it's too to? much? Dab patting himself on the back when he is yet I'm to fucking, earn it. I'm fucking cute. He's yet to earn it. It's he thinks that was cool, and that's from Thriller, dude. I'm cute. Are you kidding me right now? You guys, A better move. Death didn't he, stop and look at the hey, camera. Hey, hey Riders. Do you do remember you, that? Do you think that if if I if I had Dean stop with blue eyes? Who the fuck's he smiling at? And smile. Fuck they'll you, love me. Fuck you, Thomas. I mean, if you can't see the coolness I mean, of a Wi-Fi t- t- and then a zoom, slow zoom, <laughs> free frame, then you're not you're not born in the eighties. Thomas, Thomas, at least his eyes were blue. I know you like blue fire. That's true. Thank so you. So his for eyes that. are blue. Ugh. With death being such an iconic scene that we all like. Death never looked at the camera like that. But him doing that was way too fourth wall breaking. Like, right. hey, I just pulled it off. Ha ha ha. I'm like, no, I that's what I, I say about my condoms. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know. That one just came to me. Is that what you say? The, and then the I just fight? look at the camera. My eyes light up blue and I look at the camera. Good Lord. Anyway, thank you, Ryan. Like how Ryan, uh, that one just came to me. Like he's really proud of it. Yeah. Like, I didn't think about that one at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was, that was right so off that, the top of my head. That bothered like my me. Condom. But to follow you, Mike, I agree. The idea that Ketch never even interacts with Mary, that Bobby is so different from where he was at the end of season 12. He's not even the same character. He's just our Bobby again. Some of that feels too much like fan. They'll fiction. forget. They'll forget. Again. And from an from that episode, it hurts it. So for me, it's a B as well. The yeah. strength is all Lucifer and Jack. The other stuff leaves too many questions for the end of a season. Yeah. If if we had given some closure to all the other characters that were mm-hmm. introduced, look at season, I, then this would have been an A plus episode. Been. But there's Absolutely. just way too many unanswered, open ended elements, and and, uh, and we've never had that before look at season three bella dies dean dies and goes to hell that's the question but we don't know we don't have questions about what happened to sam and we don't have questions what happened to bobby or bella's left still out in the wind with season four ruby's entire story comes to a close and then lucifer escapes in the apocalypse we know where our characters stand and that the stakes have been raised but we're not asking questions still about the other characters at this time it's just it seems half thought 
It's a half thought. So for me, it's a B. And you're right. It could it could be so much more if it if it finished the story in some ways. Now, do we want do we have time for some Facebook? Or do we want to go straight to? I think we need to wrap the I show. Think so we're, and, we're going long here, and we're yeah, going to do a yeah. year end review, guys. In about two weeks, we're going to have our entire season thirteen review wrap up assumptions. June 4th. What we ultimately think on June fourth. It'll be our favorite episodes of the season and, you know, some of the least favorite episodes, our favorite directors and writers, the show's VIP. We've done this stuff before. If you guys have been fans with us for a long time, this is not new. We will rank all of the seasons together as from one through 13, from best to worst, our personal subjective opinions. In some ways, we're going to be objective as well, I think, with our overall thoughts of season 13 as a whole. That's going to be in two weeks. June 4th, as we start kicking off Helatus. Will you be back in town for that one, Ryan? Oh, yeah. You will, right? Yeah, June, June 4th? Yeah, June. I'm, I'm good to go. I'll be here. So, yeah. There we go. That's going to be it for the end of season 13. It was as a, a wild whole. ride. Dude, it was one hell of a fucking ride. Jesus Christ. Ups, downs, left, right. I don't know where we're going. Flying. Wire tricks. Wire tr- Amazing tr- special effects and wire tricks. So, you know, it's a mix. It's a grab bag. But thank you, everyone, who's taken the time to listen to us, to be part of this show for yet another year. Please stick with us through Helatus. We will have content. Do not doubt us on that, especially if you're a member of Patreon. You will get additional shows. We're just coming up on our Season 1, Episode 15, uh, Review the Benders. I think that's the name of the title. I think that's the one, yeah. One of my favorites. We'll get into that if you're a member of the Patreon. Don't forget, we've got the new cinematography tier coming out for just $2. We will see all of you June 4th. Yay. Later. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.